Good evening, everyone. Great to have my welcome, as Ken said. Uh, my name's Andy. I'm part of the staff team here. I have the privilege of leading the youth work here. Uh, firstly, just wanted to say thank you to uh, loads of you been asking how our summer's been going. Uh, we do lots of fun things over the summer. So we did a holiday club for about 150 children here, and we've done two youth camps as well in the last few weeks. So thank you for all of those who have been uh, praying for us and supporting us in that way. And it's great to be back together. There's a sense that we've been kind of scattered around doing all sorts of stuff over the summer. And I'm really pleased to be back together. And tonight we're going to think a little bit about that pattern of of scatter and gather, of scatter and gather. And it's great to be gathered together. Five Sundays, we're going to look at this this theme of frontline Sundays, helping think through uh, what that means, hopefully encouraged and equipped to live for God, that we can all make a difference where we find ourselves, uh, not just on Sundays, but maybe more importantly, evenly, Mondays to Saturdays as well. We're thinking today about how God calls us to make a difference where we're placed. We're going to look at some words from 1 Peter. Some of you might have been missing 1 Peter. Uh, we looked at it last term. We had a great time, didn't we, looking at it? So we thought, having given it a few weeks off, we'd come back to 1 Peter. Here's just the opening couple of verses from 1 Peter, and we'll pull a few things out that might help us as we think about how God calls us to make a difference on our front line. This is what it says. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Asia and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance." This week on Wednesday, uh, overnight, I had a really strange dream and I was left disorientated. I woke up and I was very upset because I just had to, in my dream, deliver my daughter to university. And I was deeply upset. Those of you know me, hopefully I don't look old enough to have a child at university. Uh, yeah, my daughter's seven, so that means there's at least 11 years, hopefully, uh, until she's leaving our house. But I was, I was disorientated and I was upset and I had to kind of recalibrate. Where am I? What am I doing? And hopefully tonight's message is a bit of a recalibration of uh, where are we, who are we, and what are we called to do? I want to just pull a couple of phrases out of that opening of 1 Peter that reminds us a little bit about our identity as Christians. These two words, elect and exiles. The elect. Peter is writing this letter to believers in what we think is modern-day Turkey, and he calls them the elect or the chosen ones, uh, language uh, which we might see familiar to many bits we see in the Old Testament. We take Abraham or Abram at the time in Genesis 12, and God says to him, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. He calls him, he elects him, he chooses him. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all people on earth will be blessed through you. Abraham is chosen. He's elected. He's called by God. Uh, Not because there's anything special about him, but in God's grace, in his kindness, he calls him. Not just to enjoy knowing God, but from the start, the father, father figure of God's people, is called to be a blessing to all nations. He's called to make a difference. And as you look 
through the story of God's people, you see Israel. Israel was called, and they are called to be a blessing to the nations around them. They're told to take care of the vulnerable around them. They're called to be a light to the nations. So as we think about that word elect, we can look at the story of God's people and see that these people weren't chosen. This people group, this nation, wasn't chosen because of their wisdom or because of their courage or definitely not because of their obedience. But in God's kindness, he called them, he chose them, and he called them to make a difference, to be a blessing to those around them, to be a light to those around them. And throughout history, God has called people and rescued them. He rescued the Israelites. They were slaves in Egypt, and he rescued them. But he rescued them to be a blessing, to be a light. They were blessed to be a blessing. And so in the same way, the elect of the first century who Peter is writing to were called to be a blessing wherever they found themselves, to be a light in a dark world. And so too are we as God's elect as those that find themselves in God's family, believing and trusting in Jesus. We're not chosen because of our own credentials, but due to God's kindness and mercy. Chosen not merely for our own gain to enjoy God together, but to make a difference in the world to which God is already at work. He uses the word elect. He also uses the word exiles. This second term that Peter uses is one that recalls one of the great disasters of the Old Testament, where Israel lost their land due to their disobedience, due to their sin. You might know that first the Assyrians took Israel in the year 722, and then the Babylonians took Judah and the treasured city of Jerusalem in the year 586. That was kind of the last bit of the big story of the Bible that puzzled together for me. And I find it helpful to remember the alphabet alphabet begins A, B. And so first come the A, the Assyrians, to take over, and second come B, the Babylonians. But God's people were in exile. God's people, many were destroyed, or if not, if they survived, they found themselves displaced. And this was a result of their disobedience to God. Not as a one-off act, but as regularly ignoring God's ways, choosing other things to worship and put in the place of God. Now, God's people hoped they would soon return. They would have a quick return. But the prophets told them that most of that first generation of exiles would not return though they could remain distinct and be a blessing where they were. We find Jeremiah in chapter 29 talking to some of the exiles who have been captured by the Babylonians and are no longer living in their land. You might have heard of Jeremiah 29 and think of that verse in Jeremiah 29:11, which says something like, for, the no, for I know the plans I have for you, plans not to harm you, but to give you hope and a future. But just before that, it has some really helpful instructions to the exiles, how they're to live in a land that isn't their own, how they're to live in a far than ideal situation. Verses five to seven say things like, build houses and settle down, plant gardens, marry, seek the peace of the city, pray for it. The world that exiles found themselves in was far from ideal. It was tricky. It wasn't their home. They weren't comfortable there. They longed for something better, yet they were called to make a difference and seek the peace of the city. The early believers 
could have been considered exiles to because they've been chased out of their home to Jerusalem and their precious temple. Although many of the people uh, Peter was writing to in this letter uh, weren't from that area, but still many of them were displaced and they were scattered due to their faith. They were scattered to some less than ideal places where they were oppressed. And there's this rhythm, there's this kind of ongoing story that we see in the Bible that God's people are scattered, but they're scattered so that they might be a light in their scattered places. There's this rhythm of scatter and gather together. And both are important. Maybe not by their choice in the Old Testament, maybe not by their choice for the people Peter is writing to, but God's people are scattered. It was great to do this exercise together. In our reading, we looked at how people were scattered in Pontus, Galicia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Now, uh, many of us won't know where those places are, uh, but here we have ourselves scattered. Some of us by choice. Some of us have been landed up in jobs, and we think, how are we there? Living in places, and we think, how did we arrive here? Others, we're in our dream place. But we're scattered. We're scattered all over the place. There's loads of people in the Bogner area. It was the way that you work in the Bogner area. It was getting a bit crowded there. Maybe you needed to make the map a bit bigger for that and live out there as well. There's people who either are soon to go in different places in the country, or maybe you've got family in different places in the country. Some people off to different uni places. And there's loads of people in the Chichester area as well. We find ourselves scattered in all sorts of different places, just as the early Christians did. We're scattered, and God knows what he's doing. We can be scattered, feeling empowered and equipped because we come together. When we gather to worship God together, to hear from the Bible, to pray together, to pray for our broken world together, to encourage one another, we gather together and we scatter. And God wants us to be scattered. We can make more of an impact in many ways when we scatter out. If it was a month or two later, I could have used the illustration where we all get our phones out and turn our torchlight on and we all come to the front and there's one big light at the front and then we turn all the lights out and we say, all go around the room and actually the whole room lights up in different ways because we're called to be the light of the world but if we're all together, it only lights up one bit but when we're scattered, it makes a real difference to all sorts of different places. The words were used that God's people were elect, the chosen ones, and they were called to be a blessing right from the start. They were called to be a light right from the start. And Peter also talks about the exiles. In some ways, we can, maybe sometimes we feel like, what am I doing here? And we long for the new heaven and new earth when we'll see God and enjoy God all together. But God has scattered us in all sorts of places, maybe a dream place, maybe like the exiles at the moment, it doesn't feel like a dream place. But God can use us where we're scattered. Each summer, I often have lots of conversations with people, kind of like a post-camp feeling, uh, that different people, adults as well as young people, uh, go to different Christian camps or festivals, or weeks away, and they feel so encouraged at being together, so encouraged at having time to worship together, more time to explore the Bible together, to pray together, and there's kind of a bit of a sinking feeling that um, we, we have to go back and we can't always be together. We can't just hang out together every week of the year. But God wants to scatter his people. 
He knows what he's doing. And we're intentionally not all together the whole time so that we might make a difference for him, so that we might shine for him. I had a great time this week with some of our young people who are off to uni, uh, going to all sorts of different places. A few dots will be represented on the map. And we were thinking about as we scatter, how can we live in a uni culture where it's hard to live Christ-like? But lights can shine brightly in that place. And so we go on praying for our young people that they'll make a difference as they scatter into lots of different places around the country. So two words. Uh, perhaps that are helpful as we remind ourselves who we are. We're God's chosen people and we live in a land that in some ways isn't our own. It's not our eternal dwelling of being with God forever, but God wants to use us in those places. How can this be where I'm meant to be right now, you might ask? Well, again, there's some encouraging words from this verse. There we are together and scattered. Verse 2 says that we have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. Maybe firstly thinking about how we come into God's family, how we put our trust in him. But it reminds us that Father God is the God who knows everything. He's the all-knowing one. He knew us before we were made. He knew us before we put our trust in him. And he knows where we are right now. It might not feel like it's ideal, like it wasn't for the believers Peter who was writing this, like it wasn't for Peter when he was imprisoned or chased out of different towns sharing the gospel, but God can still use us to make all the difference where we are. He knows where we are. His hand is on us. The all-knowing one knows each and every one of us and where we're placed in this season in our life. By choice or not, We too have been scattered and God knows what he's doing. When I was about 20, uh, during university, I picked up all sorts of different jobs. Now, one of the jobs I had for a couple of weeks was cleaning halls of residence in Winchester. And it wasn't necessarily one of those moments when I thought, this is what I was born to do. I'm really up for this. It's interesting that uh, chicken does deteriorate after three years in a freezer, um, that ketchup can get quite hard down the side of a cupboard, and toilets that have been left for several weeks need quite a thorough cleaning. And there were moments when I'm thinking, why am I here? Uh, what, What am I doing here? Um, But I tell you what, some of the opportunities that opened up in a place that I might not have chosen to put myself were amazing. Uh, While scrubbing toilets, people chose to open up and tell me all sorts about their life story and ask some really big questions. I don't know how you feel about where you are in your front line at the moment, if it's the dream for you, if you're really grateful for it, if you're loving it, or maybe you feel like it's a bit of a harder slog. But God the Father knows who we are, his hands on our life, And he's the all-knowing one, and we can trust him, that he is the Father God whose hand is on our life. He knows where we are. Well, how can God use a flawed person like me, you might ask? Yeah, I I recognize I've been scattered, and we're saying we can all make a difference, but surely you're not talking to me. How can God use a flawed person like me? Well, there's encouragement in these verses that it's the Holy Spirit that empowers us and equips us to make a difference for him. Through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, through the one that changes us to become more and more like Jesus, through the one that makes us 
holy. He's the one that equips us and use flawed people like me and like you. This is written by Peter. Remember Peter who corrected the Messiah on several times. Peter who abandoned his leader, his saviour on many times and yet God was using him in a powerful way. How can we make a difference? Well, we can be empowered by the Holy Spirit who can make us and change us to be more and more like his son, Jesus Christ. Some of you will have been around when we've had series thinking about front lines before and we've talked about some kind of headline themes of how we can make a difference, how we can be messengers of the gospel, those that speak the truth about Jesus, how we can be a mouthpiece for truth and justice. We can stand up for things that we see that aren't right. We can make a difference. We can mold culture. We can minister grace and love, copying the way of Jesus. We can make good work. We can do our best at the tasks we've been given to do, and that brings glory to God. And we can model godly character. Well, how can we do that? And maybe we feel flawed. Maybe we feel we're not very good at the job we're in. Maybe we feel we're not uh, doing very well at the front line we're in, uh, whether that's with family, whether that's on the school gate, whether it's in your neighborhood, or in a paid role. Well, we can do that knowing it's the Holy Spirit is the one who's at work in us, transforming us, changing us to be more like his son so that we can shine the light of Jesus on our front lines. So how do I do that then? Well, we hope that the following weeks will be helpful for you as we think through in all our different situations how we do that. But one simple kind of heart attitude that we can start with is through a desire to be obedient to Jesus Christ, the one who died for us so that we can be right with God. How do we do that? A desire to be obedient to Jesus. God's not necessarily looking for more knowledge or greater levels of faith, but a heart intention to firstly say, I'm in. I'm I'm saying, yeah, you call me to make a difference on my front line. I'm up for that. I don't necessarily know all what it looks like. Um, I need the help of the Holy Spirit, don't we all? But I'm in. I heard a speaker say over the summer that God's love language, and if you come across the love languages, different ways of expressing and receiving love, but God's love language is obedience. Those that are up for saying, yeah, I want to live your way. I want to give it a go and make a difference where I am. We obey him by seeking to be the chosen ones like those of the Old Testament, seeking to be a blessing to those around us, a light to those around us. We obey him by, like Peter and the early Christians, hearing the call to be witnesses where we find ourselves. The different places where we're scattered, across Chichester, across the south coast, maybe for some of us across the country. I really enjoyed uh, looking at the book of Peter last term. And one of the kind of main takeaway things for me, it was about making a difference in a tricky world. And again, that's what we're thinking about with this Frontline series, how we can all make a difference on our front lines. So as we start this series, we remember that we, as God's family, followers of Jesus, are God's elect, chosen not on merit, but by God's grace, chosen not just for ourselves, but that we might be a blessing where God places us this week. We remember too that we're exiles, not yet in the promised land of the new heaven and the new earth, where all will be well, but exiles who are called to love and serve those around us, that together we might make all the difference in the world. We remember that God the Father is the one who's placed us where we are, 
that the Holy Spirit is the one who gives us power to live for him and make a difference, the one who's at work changing us. And we start with a heart attitude of saying, I'm up for doing my part. I'm up for being obedient to living for God where he's called us to be. If the band want to join me, we're going to sing in a moment. But can I invite you just for a moment to um, close your eyes? And I want you to picture the frontline place that you put a dot on. I want you to picture yourself in that place. And I want to remind you that in that place, you remain chosen by God. By his grace, invited to be part of his family. And that in that place, God calls you to be a blessing. He calls you to let your light shine for our King, Jesus. And we can relate to that word exiles as well, when maybe it's a far from ideal situation you find yourself in. And we long for the day when we will be in God's presence fully in the new heaven and new earth. Let me remind you that in a place that maybe sometimes uh, can relate to those exiles, that God calls us to seek the prosperity of those around us, to pray for the peace of those around us, and to be a blessing to those around us. May we know that God the Father has placed us where we're going to be this week. May we know the help and the power of the Holy Spirit, and may we have the courage to say each morning, today, Jesus, I say yes to you. I want to be obedient to you. I want to live for you this day. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.